You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. All right, here we go again. Welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, and today we have a a really interesting podcast um, in association with the Sportsman's Channel and the Outdoor Channel. We are going to be speaking with Tom McMillan. Uh, he has a show on the Sportsman's uh, Channel, and uh, we're going to help them kick off Deer Week. And uh, in today's uh, podcast, Tom is going to talk a little bit about Deer Week, and um, so. We're going to talk about his outfitting business, how he got started, how he got into it, his passion for hunting, and then uh, we're also going to talk about what, it, you know, all the ins and outs of uh, Deer Week, what that entails. And long story short, it's uh, it's a week dedicated to the whitetail and um, to deer in North America, and uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty interesting um, if you if you do have the Sportsman's uh, channel and the uh, outdoor channel so uh, keep an eye out for that I tell you right now I am sitting in my office and it is Sunday the 15th and as we speak uh, in the last 24 hours it has dropped I'm going to say 20 degrees so I know by the time you listen to this it's too late but if you if you did get a chance to get out into the timber I'd love to know what you guys saw if this uh, cold front influenced any movement uh, in your neck of the woods I know it will be hitting uh, some of the um, the eastern part of the Midwest and you know in states like Pennsylvania and uh, Michigan on Monday evening I know a lot of guys that are going to try to get out to that unfortunately because I was gone all day yesterday um, recording or uh, doing some photography or wedding. Uh, I doubt I'm going to be able to get out tonight just because my wife was left at home with the kids all day yesterday. And uh, that can be that can be a little trying. So uh, I guess it's one of those times where you got to pick your battles. And um, if I had to choose between this cold front in October or a day in November. I guess I got to choose that day in November just because there's, you know, a better chance of uh, of deer movement that time of year. With that said, we got some housekeeping to do real quick. And uh, the first thing that I want to say is, let me see, I wrote a note here. One of our good buddies, Scott Bestel, and he'll be on the podcast later this week, um, again, to talk about mid-October hunting. Um, he he asked if uh, I could send a shout-out to all the listeners of this podcast, right? And he's like, he wants to know which, you know, what bucks are getting laid down, you know, what big bucks are getting shot throughout the uh, the nation. And he's putting together a little blog. He's a writer for Field and Stream. And I said, hey, man, I'll help you out. I'll send a shout out to all of my listeners and, uh, and to send in their pictures. So here's how this is going to work. I think that you should, you know, if you've killed a deer this year or if you kill a deer this year, send that buck picture to me at the nine finger chronicles uh you can message me in the uh 
uh, through Facebook, and I'll pass that along. So send me a picture with a short description, like uh, you know, here's a 140 inch three-year-old shot in Iowa uh, on October 10th or whatever it may be. And uh, I'll send those pictures to Scott and hopefully I can get, uh, hopefully those pictures get chosen to be put on the field and stream blog. So that's kind of cool. Other than that, today, real quick commercial before we get started. You guys know that I I love Lone Wolf Tree Stands. And uh, it's one of those products that you look at the price up front and you say, hey, man, compared to other tree stands on the market, it's expensive. Okay, I understand that. But the functionality of a lone wolf tree stand is far superior than a majority of the tree stands on the market. You know, like, so let me talk a little bit about the benefits of a lone wolf. One, they're very portable and very quiet, setting up and tearing down. Two, and which I believe is the most important, is the fact that you can set up in a crooked, uh, a crooked tree, a crooked tree with these, uh, with these stands. So the fact that you're not trying to find a straight tree, you can adjust the, you can level the the uh, tree stand and set up in the right tree, not a tree that works best for your stand, but a place where you're going to, you know, kill a kill a deer. And is, I, when you look at it, that's what it's all about. You don't want to be in the right area. You want to be in the right tree. Um, and that's, you know, ever since I started using Lone Wolf, it's like a no brainer. So in association with this podcast, obviously they're a partner of this podcast. You go to lonewolfhuntingproducts.com slash nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers. So lonewolfhuntingproducts.com slash nine fingers. And it's going to bring up a website page. It's going to ask you to enter your name and your email address. And then later we will, um, we've already, we're already done with the first half of the year. I'm not sure when the next giveaway is going to be, but your name by doing that will be entered into a drawing. And uh, then we pick a winner for some free uh, some free gear. However, when you do that, you're going to get a discount code to save fifty dollars off all orders over two hundred dollars. So I'll tell you what, I'll just give it to you. I'll give you the discount code, even though I'm not supposed to. That discount code is nine F C five zero. So when you check out and purchase your lone wolf tree stand online, enter the discount code nine nine F C five zero. And you'll save $50 off all orders over 200 bucks. And that's a, that's a really good discount. Uh, So take advantage of that. Okay. Enough of that. We better get into this podcast because I can hear my kids in the background screaming already. And um, although I wish I was out in the timber, it's good to be uh, back at the house after a long day of work and um, hang with the kids again. But good luck to everybody out there. Man, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I need to say. I'm I'm pretty horrible. I'm really good at prolonging these uh, intros and outros with nothing but garbage. But uh, here we go. New podcast, Tom McMillan. All right, on the phone with me right now, Mr. Tom McMillan. How are you doing today, Tom? I'm good, sir. How are you? You know, I can't complain. I I was actually in a tree stand. Let's see, today is October 8th, uh, and I was actually in a tree stand last night, and I saw my first mature whitetail of the year, and now I'm fired up to get back and do nice. some running. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it helps the, uh, it's funny how it helps the attitude and the drive when you can go actually lay your eyes on one, huh? That's right. That's right. He was, uh, I'm guessing him probably at about a four year old, but he was, uh, he's about 150, and that's a shooter in my book. So, uh, that should be a shooter anywhere in in the world. That's 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 right. Great deer right there, buddy. That's right. So, we're here today to talk a little bit about the upcoming deer week. Um, it's, uh, and we're going to get into that in a little bit, talk about what deer week is and all that stuff. But I want to BS with you a little bit about you, 
um, your outfitting business, uh, what you've been up to lately. Uh, and I think the, the best way to start it is just, have you been out hunting at all this year already? I have. I have been. I haven't been to the tree stand for whitetails personally myself yet. Um, just like you, I got out for the first time uh, just a couple evenings ago. I was acting as cameraman for my wife. It was her first sit, and our stories are similar. We uh, we got to lay our eyes on a on a mature deer, and and um, he he didn't come in. You know, this time of the year in the middle of Kansas, the the bucks are you know they call it the October lull for a reason they just don't they just don't do a lot of cruising and they don't they aren't very active it seems like we watched him stand up in a big field of crp grass and like they often do this time of year he just stood there and kind of surveyed everything you know i mean it, yeah. it took him 30 minutes to move 30 yards he grazed a little bit and looked around and they just not you know they're not too excited about anything this time of year but it was it was good for our first sit to to get a good one on film but to know we were in the right spot and and um but as far as from myself i uh, i didn't take any early season and what we call early season you know the september muzzleloader and archery season open the same day here in kansas and uh it's usually about the oh you know the second week of september i didn't take any clients in in september i was i was gone on a couple different trips myself i, I got to, a chance to go out to colorado and antelope hunt got a nice antelope buck with my bow and and then i went to uh the davis mountain range in west texas and elk hunted and and um shot a great bull down there so i was gone on a couple different trips and it was right there in the in the heart of what would have been you know the peak of our of our early season before the before the bucks usually go super nocturnal and so i just didn't i just didn't book any outdoor clients yet but i've I'm going to try to, uh, you know, concentrate on, on uh, getting my wife a deer, her, her buck for the year on film. And then after that gets out of the way, I'll have, I'll have just a small window to, uh, to hunt there at home myself. And I'm actually on the road today. I'm, I'm headed down to Oklahoma to, uh, to hunt down there for a couple of days. So nice. we'll see. It's, it's that time of sea or that time of year, you know, I mean, everybody's got deer on the brain. That's right. That's right. You're from Texas though, right? No, I'm from Kansas. Was, Kansas, okay. Is, Kansas, yes, sir. I was born and raised right just four miles where my outfitting and my businesses are, my headquarters are, and uh, yeah, born and raised right there in Kansas. It's funny though, all my friends I grew up with, of course, we grew up, you know, hunting and fishing, and and they couldn't wait to to grow up and get gone from that little town, and and man, I just never wanted to leave because the hunting was too good. And right. uh, and now they've they've gone off to the big cities and doing big things that they have to come back home and pay me to take them hunting. <laughs> so <laughs> full circle, boys. Absolutely, but, uh, absolutely. Uh, so about this elk hunt, I'm kind of intrigued because when you say Texas, the first thing that I know pops it. into my brain is is whitetail and not elk. So yeah, I what's know the it. terrain out there like for that elk? I'll hunt? tell you what. It is so, it is so unique. It's, it's unbelievable. I heard about this about three or four years ago and kind of looked into it. When, when I first hear Texas, you know, nothing against Texas, but I think high fence because there's just, right. it's just known for high fence hunting. You know, you can, you know, basically hunt there year round for all kinds of things. And, and I don't, I don't do that stuff. You know, I mean, I, I just don't do that type of hunting for the, for the sake of, you know, uh, my show and everything else. I have nothing against it. It's just not for me. But so I, I was like, man, what do you mean Texas and, and elk? Well, in West Texas, in the, in the Davis mountains, which it goes from the flat sagebrush plains to all of a sudden a mountain range. And, you know, even as you're getting there, you just can't believe all of a sudden the, the, the change in the terrain is unbelievable. And, you know, when we get back to the topic of high fence, there, this is free range elk. There's, there isn't a fence other than a cattle fence within counties. I mean, hundreds of miles. And I guess in the, in the mid 1990s, the state of Texas released, um, a few elk and they flourished. 
Oh, wow. And I, th- I think they've said that now there's there's a um, a population of three to four thousand, and the, there's no public hunting that I know of, no public access. So you have to go through an outfitter, and there's just there's not very many of them because they're big ranches down there, you know, right. um, that touch each other, and and there's only a few guys that have access to to outfit on it, and but it's you just can't. It's hard to almost even after being there you know you kind of go man this is just you can see why they're there because it's green grass grass and and you know water everywhere mountains it's uh you're hunting from about six to seven thousand feet oh, wow. and yeah it's just it's unbelievable and in fact on the on on our hunt i had um had the chance to to shoot some feral hogs with my bow standing there here come a group of hogs and we looked down the ravine about a half a mile, and there's a bull elk there. And well, the cows winded us like they always do, and they take off. Well, you can, um, the state of Texas considers elk an exotic, so there's really not a, you know, there's not as many regulations. You can hunt them with a gun or a bow oh. on the same hunt. You don't have the gotcha. weapon specify. And so we just go back to the buggy, get the rifle, and and. Uh, I make a 306 yard shot on the bull. It's like, how many places in the world can you shoot a feral hog and a bull elk in the same, off the same mountainside? You know, not, right. not too many places that I know of. Right. So it's just a very, very unique type of hunt. And, um, it's, it's something to see, I, you know, this part of Texas has everything from choya cactus to alligator juniper to ponderosa pines. It's, yeah. It's just a, it's just a very, very neat place. But so that was, that was my September, and I, I, and I took a break to go on a couple of those hunts, and, and you know, my whitetail season, um, you know, the prep for it anyway, it usually starts in August. Yeah. And that's when I start getting some trail cameras out, and, and um, you know, getting some access to my, to my stands, meaning mowing in and kind of cleaning up and. And uh, making sure my tree stands are safe and figuring out, you know, where and how I'm going to hunt certain properties because crop patterns change in Kansas from year to year. What one, one year might be a soybean field right next to your cover. The next year might be corn or it might be left out and just now being planted to weed or whatever. So, you know, there's always some, some, uh, you know, kind of some homework to do before season and, and, um, and then this time of the year, we're, I, I get back to doing that, just to try to get everything buttoned up. And and um, my my first bow hunting clients come in uh, about the third week of this month, about the third week of October. So it's right gotcha. around the corner. Gotcha. How many guys do you typically run through uh, your outfit? I, I, yeah, I don't take very many deer hunters in, in a year, from about 20 to 24 guys. Uh, we run four guys at a time. My, my lodge um it's four bedroom two and a half bath and uh i just i like to, like to keep my numbers very low uh on clients and just to you know help ensure that hunting around me and because of me is going to either stay good or get even better right and um it works out good you know because i feel we have about six weeks of you know six prime weeks th- throughout the fall where people's, where, where a hunter's opportunity rate is going to be high. Yeah. Now, our season is open way longer than that. You know, we open, like I say, the second week of September and go all the way through the end of the year. But out of that three-and-a-half-month period, I feel there's only six weeks that we can capitalize on it. So, you know, if I take uh, six weeks worth of 400s per week, you know, we're, we're right at 24 hunters in a year. So yeah. we, I control about, uh, 9,000 acres and, right. um, scattered over three counties. And like I say, it's just try to keep it good and, you know, not apply too much hunting pressure on anything and give the guys plenty of, plenty of new, fresh spots to, to, uh, hunt, you know, so they don't feel like, you know, the guys later in season, they don't feel like they're just hunting the same place that everybody's been before and, right. and all that. And just, it helps, you know, less. The less stress we put on the deer, the trickle down is the less stress on me because our <laughs> clients have a, a better chance of, of doing good. So. Right, right. So it's kind of funny. 
you sound like you're a passionate hunter yourself and I, I never would get this because I've talked with several outfitters before they they love hunting. They love, and they love to get out there and do it, but then they open an outfitting business and they don't yeah. get to hunt as much as they'd like. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. You know, one, one of the main reasons I, I started outfitting with two, I would say the main reasons is, you know, my wife told me that, Hey, you're hunting every day anyway. And you know, well, why don't you, and you're always taking all these people for free as, as favors or friendship or whatever. And, and she said, why don't you charge them? <laughs> so, you know, charge them something. I said, you know what? That's a great idea. One of your better ones. And so that was one reason I thought, well, you know what? She's right. I mean, I am doing it. I'm doing this, the same thing. I'm supposed to be making a business out of it. And, and the second thing was, you know, when I grew up, hunting always meant so much to me you know i mean we had some family land my dad farms and runs cattle just like i do and and um you know so growing up in a in a farming community and ranching community and that kind of lifestyle we always had access to either family land or or leases but i i leased personally at least my first small piece of property um when i was 14 years old and i just I got to the point where I really didn't have, you know, the means to be able to, to keep a hold of these properties without um, getting some more revenue in. And, you know, as, as outfitting got to be a, a bigger deal and, and throughout the nation and, and kind of more of a, oh, you know, just more of a business, I thought I've got to do something. I was already doing, you know, every odd job that I could in order to, to make ends meet as I was, you know, getting into my late teens and early twenties and putting myself through college. And I thought, well, you know, if there's a way to, to keep doing what I love doing and, and guide hunts and, and all that, and, you know, and help keep a hold of some of these leases, then that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to do. So, it, you know, for the, really for the, for the need of keeping hold of the, some of the properties that I got and getting more, um, as, as outfitting got to be a thing, then, you know, that kind of drove me to make the decision of, okay, let's, let's try to turn this into to a business and, and, and something that, you know, kind of guarantees that I, the way of life that I was, that I grew up being used to was, was going to keep going. Right. So are you still running a cattle operation as well? Oh, yes, sir. Yes. Sir. Yes. Yeah, we, that's uh, your main, that's your main thing, right? Well, it's funny. I'm, I'm not sure anymore what my main thing would be. It, everything <laughs> kind of goes, it kind of goes, you know, it bleeds over into everything else so much. You know, I, I uh, kind of like with, with the outfitting, you know, outfitting for me turned into um, buying and selling some hunting real estate. And then about 10 years into it, it turned into the television show that we've got now on Sportsman's Channel. And, and, it's like all these added things came along, but nothing went away. So, um, I still do some property management. I still buy and sell some, some hunting properties. Uh, we've got the television show. Um, I'm a, I'm a big part of the television and the actual production of the, of the show. So that keeps me busy throughout the year, the editing process and everything. And, and, um, still have a cattle herd and, and still help my dad farm when I can. And so it's just, you're busy. I don't know if I, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not, maybe I'm a slow learner. Maybe that's it. <laughs> you just like to no. keep at it, huh? I guess I, you know, everybody roll their eyes at me because I, sometimes I think you're right. I take on, take on too many projects, but I don't know any other way. You know, I grew up thinking that you had to do five things at one time and, and hope one of them worked out, you know, and, and, uh, I used to train roping horses and, and, and shoe horses full time and work for a construction company and blah, blah, blah. So you just go, it needs to be done. And, yep. and, um, like I say, the, the problem is, is stop doing one thing when, when you do another one, but they, they do go hand in hand, you know, I mean, they're, um, my cattle are right there at our place and, and, um, the television show. And when I was approached about that, I thought, well, that'll be good because we're already out there guiding hunts and, 
and you know we have all these characters coming through our door all the time we can tell their stories that'll be a good thing to do the cameras can just go along with us and and film the stories and well that that statement right there shows how naive i was to television because (laughs) it it, it turned into you know turned my 13 hour days into 16 hour days pretty quick just by you know it just makes the day adds to the day you know you've got two or three cameramen around and and as you're going along you're you're on the phone and the computer to the, the editing team and and uh just it uh i'm not i'm not i know that it sounds like i'm i'm being a whiner and complaining which i'm not it's just uh it's, sometimes I, I have to scratch my head and go why don't I decide to do this again? You know what? I'm sure, this is the best thing to do, but I don't know any other. You way love it, right? Oh yeah, and you know, when you're getting back to your point about outfitters and and you know they love to hunt and and the fact that because it's a, it's a job for them now, it's it's harder for them to hunt. You know, one thing that I I never dreamed that I would get out of of outfitting is the I guess the connection and the what I'm trying to say is when one of my clients gets a deer, I feel like that's our deer. Right. You know, it's not just his deer. I mean, I if if I you know did all the prep work and I and I figured out the the where to put the stand and the pattern of the deer and and how to access the stand without spooking everything off and, and if I got him there and you know and he sat tight and did his job and made a great shot. And, but it was still a, a team effort, I feel. And yeah. uh, so it's just something extra that I never would have planned on being able to take away from it. So that's what, honestly, that's what keeps you going. I love outsmarting mature whitetails. I mean, yeah. it's just, there's just nothing like it. And then when you can help somebody else do that and, and you see, you know, that you've helped that person accomplish a goal of theirs, and they're and they're taking home a, a great animal that everybody's worked hard for. That's it. That's still a huge payoff for me. Yeah. So yeah, it keeps you going. So how long have you been outfitting? This will be my seventeenth season. Seventeenth um, coming in. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I started it up in in two thousand and and had a friend put together a real vague, terrible website and. Uh, <laughs> Just by some people that, you know, had come to hunt with my family over the years, I kind of, you know, just put the word out with some phone calls and, and, um, you know, there was a social media wasn't even on anybody's radar at that point. And so it was just kind of some word of mouth and, and a little bit of advertising on the, on the website. And I remember thinking that, uh, that first year, if I could book just six or seven hunters, then then i could cover my leases and and maybe they'd go home and and you know maybe they'd have a good hunt and go home and want to bring a buddy back the next year and you know i'm just thinking i had like a three or four year plan where if i could get up to this many people then it'd all be good right well the first year when i was wanting to book six or seven 33 hunters booked and (laughs) i mean I, i thought these people are crazy you know yeah, the hunting's great, and I'm going to work hard for you, but I just didn't have any idea of the demand. Right. And so I took I took that year, and I and I doubled my lease acres, and and I invested a lot more in equipment and all that, and and uh, the next year I think 4,300 bucks. So then I started hiring help, and I I got up to about 16, 17,000 acres that I was controlling, and and it still people were wanting to you know overbook and just run us over with they couldn't wait to get there and i could tell going into the third year i could tell that if i let it it could get out of control yeah and and it was you know i was a lot younger than him but it was still just wearing me wearing me slick you know trying to to work so hard for everybody to keep up with it so i made the decision to, to call way back um I, I kept hold of the, the best leases and I got my, my lease acres down to about 12,000. And for 10 years, I, I took right at 30 hunters a year. Yeah. And, and it just, you know, it, it felt better. Everybody was, was having a great opportunities and, and it was more controlled and, and it wasn't just, you know, 
so rushed and um and then the television show came along and for a couple of years just to get that going in the right way i cut my clientele list in half again and for two years i only took like 14 or 15 guys yeah and um then you know we've been able to kind of balance out and land at, you know right at 2400s a year and it works and and um more manageable and and you know we're seeing as good bucks as we ever have so nice. that's that's the part of the yeah i mean that's the part that you know okay this is a, a long-term thing and and you know the deer herd's health is excellent the deer healthy we've got we don't ever we don't ever take any does we don't you know as long as we've got food to feed them they're gonna they're gonna make more bucks for us and and um so we're still in it for the long haul either way right here's kind of a question that i've always asked about an outfitter right how many how many people come into your 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 camp so to speak and they're like all right i want you to put me on the biggest buck you have right and they expect to see a big buck and kill this big buck yeah there there are a few but you know what not many of them make it to my camp that have that attitude it's it's amazing how you can how any person i think can hone their skills of reading between the lines and um figuring somebody out their attitude and their expectations through a couple emails or a couple phone calls right and you know the the guys that start off a conversation with how big of a buck are you going to guarantee me the G word, the gar- you know, <laughs> I, I, man, I'm, I'm not even going to guarantee you a shot at one. Yeah. You know, all, the only thing I can guarantee is that I'm going to work hard before you get here for you. And while you're here, I'm going to work as hard as I can to make sure you have a good hunt, but that's the only guarantees. Cause that's the only thing I can control. Right. And so, you know, it is, I've just learned that, you know, over time you can just tell what people are going to expect uh, and if that's going to be too much or not or unrealistic or not. And so a lot of times those guys that, no, I'm not saying there wasn't, isn't one or two that might slip through the cracks and surprise me after they get there and like, well, we'll get through this, you know. But, um, yeah, it's the, the, the guys that get booked the fastest are the ones that say, hey, I get it. I hunt, I know it's hunting. I just want to come experience your camp and, and, um, hope for the best and, and trust you. Right. You know, that's, that's, that's the magical answer right there, you know? And, uh, so it's, it's, it's funny that, and that's another thing that I, I never would have dreamed that you can do, but I could show you some emails that you're going, Oh, I see. Yeah. This guy's, this guy's got unrealistic expectations right off the bat or why else would he say that, you know? Yeah, and, for sure. But uh, it, it, I can see how it can happen, and and it probably happens to to guys that just need to book numbers they feel like just to, I don't know, you know, to make maybe make the business work or whatever. So they're not really they're not really picking and choosing and going for the guy that'll be the best. I'm not necessarily saying the best hunter. There's a difference between being the best hunter and the best client. Yeah. You know, some of my best clients have guys that have hardly ever hunted at all. And but they just get it. They get right. that it's the it's the experience and the 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 chance to be able to there and enjoy what we're really supposed to be enjoying, you know, that that makes them a better client no matter yeah. no matter their level of success or uh you know, experience as far as the hunters being concerned. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you have, I mean, do you have a success rate that you share with people? Um, and if so, let's say like, let's say me, I've never hunted with an outfitter before, but it might be something that in the future I do sometime. I don't know. Sure. Does success rate matter? You know what? The only, the only thing I think that it matters is to the guy that's on the fence, you know, wanting to book. And there's, there's some guys that, you know, they, they need that comfort feeling of there's, there's history and there's numbers, there's proof and facts to back it up. You know what I mean? And no matter how hard we've tried to answer your question. Yes, I do. I do have 
the numbers. No matter how hard we've tried and how good of a year that we think we've had and how much the stars aligned for everybody and everybody made great shots and all that, we've never had a higher success rate of 74% kill rate. And no matter how poor of a year that it's felt like at the time or a goofy rut or the deer not doing their job or they're getting lucky or whatever, we've never had a lower success rate than 68 so it's always between 68 and 74 percent by the time the year's come and gone no matter how you slice it and you know it's now don't get me wrong there's been years last year was one of them that that it it just seemed like what's going on i mean we know they're here you know it's just they weren't doing anything and sticking i mean the deer they weren't sticking to the plan we'd we'd have one morning where we'd see you know, a bunch of activity and everybody would come back to camp with big eyes and high hopes and man, it's going to be an awesome afternoon. And everybody goes to the tree stand and all of a sudden it's crickets. Nothing's moving. And you're going, what in the world? And we might not see a deer for another day. And then all of a sudden they're everywhere again. So, you know, it's, there's been times that it's just like struggling and no matter what we do, they're just always barely getting away. But then, then, you know, guys might take their full five days to hunt and kill them the last afternoon and and not just settle for something. I mean, kill the deer they're wanting to kill. And so then when the season's done and you go back and you look at your list of clients and you add up who did what, it's still always going to be within a point or two of 70%. seems like, you know, no matter how hard it was to get to there. Right. Absolutely. So when a guy books with you and – you know, I don't know, though, just the way the human mind works, they think, oh, my God, I'm going to I'm going to this place. I'm going to see a ton of big bucks, you know, from a from an antler size or even an age class. What kind of deer should a guy expect to see from the tree stand when he books with you? Well, you should expect to see a truckload of three year old and younger deer just because they it's they're everywhere you know and but the the misnomer the the problem is is that kansas gets so much publicity for their big bucks that people do get that misconception in their mind that there's a one set behind every tree and so sometimes the the you know the publicity of kansas and the popularity of it bites you because and that's really nobody's fault i mean that 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 person that thinks that he's thinking that most likely because that's all he hears or sees on television or reads in magazine and and so why wouldn't he think that was the case so you do have to remind him that no this this is the real deal we you know we we don't have them tied up it's not a high fence it's it's just the way it is and so but they you know it only takes a couple days of of being out there and, and and seeing that and and um setting for four hours at one time and and uh, before they okay yeah this is this is the real deal it's hunting yeah i might have seen one quarter mile off chasing a doe or shooting might have tagged out in the first hour you know right. so right uh, and you know in the same week or the for sure the same season we'll have every scenario uh and anywhere in between of those two kinds of hunts last year was a perfect example a repeat client uh, from Louisiana came in, set less than 45 minutes, rattled the same 12 point in two different times because the first time he couldn't get a shot at him, shot him with his bow, literally was in camp for half a day. I think the deer was a 160, 164 or 168. Yeah. And his buddy that came in uh, right after him hunted hard the entire hunt and went and, and passed on some three-year-old deer and saw some big mature deer, but nicking the shot. So he went home empty handed Yeah. and, you know, and as a great hunter did everything right, put his time in and just, it just didn't work out. Right. And, um, so it's, uh, it's, it's the full gamut, you, you know, and in any given deer season, you're going to see the whole, the whole thing. Right. And, um, but, uh, you know, we, I've never, I've never stressed to somebody or I've never, uh, first off, I don't have any 
trophy fees or anything like that. Yeah. Um, the, the fee is what it is. And, and I've, you know, because I get asked that a lot, like, well, you know, what, what do we, what do you call What does it cost if we shoot a 170 over 140? No, it's the same price. A, a deer is a deer to me. Yeah. Um, but I, I learned early on in the, in the, in my first year that I had a, I had a father and, and two sons come from Florida and hunt with me. And they, in the first evening they got into camp and, and we were having dinner and getting to know each other. And they asked me the same thing you asked me, what can we expect or what should we, what should we shoot? And I said, well, all I can ask is, you know, let's, let's try to shoot mature deer and let's not get too wrapped up in the score. Right. And they said, well, um, you know, they were kind of like feeling me out and wondering how I'd feel about this. And, and they said, you know what, we, we have like a 600 acre spot at home and we try to manage it right. And we hunt hard. We do everything right. We spend days and days and days in the tree stand. And they said, the biggest buck that he's ever shot is a 112. Biggest buck he's ever shot three years ago, he shot a, a 120. And he said, and There's about a 125 there. I mean, these guys have hunted their whole lives. Yeah. So immediately the light bulb went off to me that if, if the biggest, highest scoring animal that someone's ever shot is a, is a 120, you know, he's paying me to come on his vacation and paying me for a deer hunt who am i to say that if he shoots a 125 or 130 that's a bad thing right because it's not i want him to have a great experience i want him to hunt and and to be able to take something home because he's going to have that memory forever and and you know there's probably people listening and there's no that's part of the problem you're shooting too young deer now wait a minute let's go back to what i was saying about the only thing that i can control and the best way i can help manage deer in my area is to not overbook or take too many hunters in a year there there are more deer more bucks killed by vehicles on the roads and the highways in the county i live on that are taken by my clients right. no matter the the age of the deer okay so i want somebody to you know come in and, and have a good experience and yes be successful but I've got a I've got a sign that I made up and I put on my on my wall of my lodge. All I can ask you to do is before you pull the trigger on that animal, you know, I don't I don't expect you to be an expert about how old he is or what he's gonna score, because honestly I don't care what he scores. But if you can look at that animal before you decide to take him, if you know in your heart and your mind that if you get him killed, you're gonna spend the money on him to get him mounted put him on your wall and enjoy him for the rest of your life, then in anybody's mind, and especially the hunter's mind, that should be a trophy. No matter how old he is or no matter how what he, what he scores. And if, if you can look at that animal and he gets you excited and you think, ah, I mean, I'm not going to mount him, but I'm going to go ahead and kill him, then let's not shoot him. Let's just let him walk. Because that same animal might be a true trophy and a true deer of a lifetime to the next guy in mind. Right. Or next year he might be that much better. So that's all I ask is if you know if you're not gonna put him on your wall and let him walk. Just a simple Sounds thing good. I've got on a sign, you know. And and then we don't, you know, that gets everybody off the hook. That gets the hunter off the hook of needing to be an expert on field judging deer about his age and his score and all that stuff. That gets me off the hook because you know if I say, well, we, I saw this buck in this one tree row and. I think he's a 145 inch eight point. Guess what? I've seen a lot of them, but I'm a human. I could be wrong. And if a guy goes and kills that big eight point and he's 140, then I'm in trouble. You know. So it's just it's got to be up to the hunter. And all we ask is that the the hunter be sure he's gonna put him on the wall and and uh, you know show respect to the animal and enjoy him forever. And and then after that, man, it's all good no matter what happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's cool, man. Uh, hopefully this this year for you is uh, another good year. But one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on the, uh, on the show today is you and your buddy Michael Waddell are kind of 
kind of running something called Deer Week. Why don't you talk to us yeah. about what Deer Week is? Well, first first off, you know, Sportsman's Channel asked me to host it, and, and Waddell hardly ever has anything going on. <laughs> I felt sorry for him. You know, I'm trying to get his name out there and, and get him some, let him talk about hunting a little bit because he knows a little bit. So, I, you know, like, hey, can we do Waddy a favor? Can we get him on TV talking about Deer Week? But right. no, anyway, he, Waddell's, we're, I guess we're co-hosting. I guess that's how you, you know, legally describe what, what's going on here. But uh, Waddell's the host on Outdoor Channel and, and I'm the host on Sportsman's Channel. And Deer Week, the best way I can describe it, it's just going to be a week-long celebration of this awesome, beautiful thing that we call deer hunting. And, you know, the heritage behind it, the history behind it, the traditions, you know, everything from people sharing their favorite venison recipes to tips and tactics that, you know, that have worked or not worked for, for people and best, you know, people's best deer hunting shows and it, you know, everything in between. So it's just, uh, it's just basically a celebration and every night, uh, starting October 15th on both networks, Outdoor Channel and Sportsman's Channel. Um, we're going to just have nothing but deer hunting episodes. And in between, there'll be some, you know, some little promos and testimonials from people that, uh, you know, about their about their favorite deer hunting trips or the one that got away or, you know, everything in between. So it's just, it's just a chance to, to celebrate deer hunting and all the stuff that you know that one thing that, that uh, brings all of us together so many times in, in, in uh, you know the camaraderie of deer hunting camp and and um, parents and their and their sons and daughters and, and, and sons and daughters with their fathers and mothers just going out and, and uh it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun week I'm, I'm looking forward to it right uh are you guys doing anything with any like uh, conservation groups uh during this whole that week to you know kind of raise awareness or or you know i know there's some diseases going around right now like cwd and ehd is there going to be any type of inform information like that that's going to be brought to the table as well you know what i wouldn't be surprised i don't know of anything that i can tell you about right now but you know since we're covering trying to cover every aspect but what the networks and the producers have done is they've gone to the producers of of all the shows and say and said talk to us what you're passionate about about deer hunting and so without knowing what everybody came back with i i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if there's there's not plenty of that you know because deer hunting is so many different things to so many different people you know some guys are are, are strictly strictly in it to fill the freezer. Some guys are strictly into deer hunting just to study the, the habits and the, you know, study the animal. And so, and, and you know, to, to, to find out all these mysteries about this amazing animal that a lot of us don't know. So it, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised at all. As far as our main sponsors, I know the two main sponsors uh, for Deer Week are Cabela's and Ruger. And so I didn't know, you know, I don't think uh, QDMA, now they might be, I hope I'm not uh, stepping on anybody's toes, but something like that, that that might have some sponsorship uh, or partnership part in it. But um, it's, it's going to be everything you can think of and imagine about deer hunting. So I wouldn't be surprised. Nice. Okay, cool. Um, And what, how long is this going to run? It's one week and it starts October 15th, right? Yeah, I believe 7 Eastern every evening. Um, you know, and in between shows, they're going to have, like I say, promos and testimonials from different hosts. And and if you use hashtag Deer Week, I believe there's going to be some uh, social media uh, going on that week where, pe- you know, people listening and watching can correspond. Um, I think myself personally, we're doing a, a Facebook Live um, a couple or three evenings that week. And, and uh, if you go to either website, Proud Old Channel or Sportsman's Channel, you'll be able to learn about when those things are happening and how you can correspond and, you know, either send in your, your pictures of your best deer or your worst deer, your first deer, and, um, you know, find out more about all the details about when you can, when you can talk to people and, and what the topics are going to be and, 
and all that. Gotcha. Sounds uh, sounds like it's going to be fun. Um, are are is there going to be you know for the people who don't have the Sportsman's Channel or the Outdoor Channel? Are they and other than uh, social media? Are they going to be doing anything on those websites on those network websites as well? They are. In fact, I think they've already started some of the promos on the websites where you gotcha. can um, go to go to both websites sites and uh look at some of the promos in fact they, they sent me an email of the of kind of the promo commercial teasers that um they built and produced with uh michael waldell and myself and so i know that those are able to be viewed and they're going to keep running those up through deer week so there's a lot of uh you know yeah if you don't get the networks and also if you don't get the networks or wondering how to get the networks um, you can go to the website and you can find on there there's an area where you can type in your zip code and it will give you a list of how the places or how you can access, um, you know, in your programming um, of, of how to get how to get the networks. So that's that's something that needs to be done either way. But yeah, so, so if you're watching Deer Week on, on both networks, through social media and through the websites, there'll be there'll be a lot of ways to, to correspond and be part of it. Awesome. Well, it sounds like that's going to be a good time. Uh, so just a reminder to everybody, October 15th on the Sportsman's Channel and the Outdoor Channel, uh, be prepared for Deer Week. And uh, Tom, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, hop on the podcast and chat with me a little bit. And uh, Heck yeah. Good luck the rest of the season, man. You too. I hope you smack that 150, man. And. Uh... <laughs> I guess I got to try to put the last thing I say to anybody, even myself, aim for the armpit. That's right. <laughs> well, buddy, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. And, uh, yeah, tune in to Deer Week. It'll be fun. And there you have it, another podcast in the books. Huge shout-out to Tom for coming on the podcast and uh, talking with us about not only his uh, outfitting business, how he got into it and whatnot, but uh, filling us in on what deer week is all about um if you're going to participate just remember on social media use the hashtag deer week so hashtag deer week and uh that's what they wanted me to tell you guys other than that um huge shout out to each and every one of you for uh, taking time to come on the pod or to download listen i really appreciate it and then um what else man i think uh Huge shout out to the the partners of this podcast, Lone Wolf, Gearhead, Wasp, Ripcord, Deer Lab, Bighorn Outfitters, Exodus, and Deer Lab, Lone Wolf. I think I said it all. Other than that, other than that, I say other than that a lot too. Uh, And if you can hear that noise in the background, uh, that's my son. Hey, Mac, can you be quiet? Dad's trying to record a podcast, okay? Thanks, bud. He's in the he's in the studio today for uh, for that. That's it. Uh, check me out on social media if you haven't already. Go to iTunes, leave a review, and be sure to visit ninefingerchronicles.com. And remember for the big announcement coming up about all the all the podcasts uh, that have been added to this feed. And I think that's it. It's getting that time of year where we're going to start spending a lot more time in the timber. So when we're up in a tree, please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.